Hi everyone, welcome to episode 16 of the Doys to Sustainable Schools podcast. The idea of this podcast is to look at practical ways that all London schools can engage in the Schools Climate Summit. This will be held on Tuesday the 29th of June 2021 during London Climate Action Week. My guest today is the remarkable Bridget Nichols from Pestival. We interviewed Bridget because she has created a brilliant new resource that was launched yesterday on April the 15th, 2021, called Make More Insects. Bridget is the founder of Pestival, and Pestival are creators of insect eco-entertainment, showcasing the ingenuity of insects through art and culture. In this podcast, you will hear Bridget's beautiful story about how she was brought back to life by insects. She tells us more about the work of Pestival and then teases us with her brand new project aimed at families, schools and, well, pretty much everybody else. And it's called Make More Insects. Since conceiving Pestival in 2004, Bridget has gained international status as a world authority on eco-entertainment, in particular, cultural entomology. In 2010, she was awarded the first International Zoo Art Fellowship of the Zoological Society of London, a role which was created for her. She was voted Woman to Watch in the Cultural Leadership Programme of 2010, and she was named CRZ Cultural Engineer by Honda for her outstanding sustainable and ecological entrepreneurship. More recently, Bridget won a Capital Awards grant from the Wellcome Trust to fund her ongoing work with the Pestival Mission, raising just under £2 million in total. She's not just an entopreneur. Bridget is also an established MC, writer and broadcaster, having spoken at TED Salon London and hosting bespoke walks, talks and workshops around the world. Bridget has worked for BBC Two, The Discovery Channel, The Ecologist and BBC World Service, appearing regularly on BBC Radio Live Debates with the likes of David Attenborough. A lengthy list of top comedians have lined up to work with Bridget, including Sally Phillips, Russell Brand, Stuart Lee and Simon Munnery, with whom she was nominated for a Golden Rose and Perrier Award. Alongside Rankin and Will Smith, she recently wrote for The Hedonist Guide to Art. According to old friend and comedian Stuart Lee, she is the eco-activist with pirate blood, hinting at her lineage to the notorious 17th century pirate Captain Kidd. The premise underlying Pestival is that without insects, we humans wouldn't be here and 45% of insects are now um, dying out and us humans are at a tipping point in terms of we're growing in numbers and insects are dying out. So how are we going to eat? And on a bigger scale, uh, humans love stories and what we can learn from insects in terms of biomimicry, in terms of medicine, in terms of our muses and arts is, is, is a great inspiration to us generally to be better human beings. And that's oh. kind of what Pestival is about, coming at celebrating insects from that angle of rejoicing in how amazing they are. They've been here for 300 million years and us a sneeze at a few hundred thousand. <laughs> so they hold the answer to many, many big issues. And we've just got to unlock that door and learn from them before it's too late. And Pestival, Pestival celebrates insects and our relationship with them in a in a fun uh, multi-generational way 
Wow. And you're going to tell us more about Pestival in a minute. But before mm. before you do, um, Pestival and the project that you're going to talk about later is part of something called Eco Lockdown. Um, and we should just do a shout out to Eco Lockdown, which is a, a, a great movement that's been started by Jess Tipton and is going to be um, directed by Global Action Plan, um, which is drawing together loads of educational resources for people during lockdown, for families and for schools. And, and your project's going to be one of those, which is, is fantastic. So thank you for doing that. And we'll, we'll talk more about that later. But just going back to festival, you've had a bit of a remarkable journey to get to festival. So how did it start? How did you get to, you know, what, what brought you to actually starting festival? It wasn't my normal career path or anyone's normal career path. When I, I grew up in an animal sanctuary down in Sussex, so feeding Bengali glows that had been saved from uh, from collections and were going to have to be put down if we didn't take them on, or peacocks strolling around, random goats. Uh, and, and so I grew up without realising it in this environment where other animals were part of the family and you didn't mm. think anything of it. And then I ended up writing comedy, um, performing comedy for TV for 10 years. And uh, I was doing, you know, I was on the up, as it were, with my career. And uh, I suddenly went down with lupus, but the oh, doctors right. didn't know it at the time. And uh, I was gravely ill and they couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. So how, does, and, how, how did that manifest itself? How, when you say gravely ill, what does that mean? Well, I, I just couldn't walk or move very well. Um, and you get sort of a, a brain fog where right. you can't think clearly and then it suddenly comes back for a day and you think oh I'm on the mend and then it goes again so actually in relation to COVID very similar symptoms but I've I've had them for years yeah, yeah. <laughs> in terms of the long so when COVID. you say you've had them for years do you still get bouts of that now is it something that's with you for life it, it is with you for life it can go dormant yeah. I it, I'm I'm just more used to dealing with that now because I know what the what it is that I'm dealing with. When you don't know what it is you're dealing with, it's obviously far scarier because it could it could be anything, and they're not sure. Um, and then that that affects your thinking because you think, "Am I making this up? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this yeah. is all in my head. That's even worse." <laughs> um, but it it wasn't. Uh, well, it is, but it you know it's it's a there's a reason for it. Um, so I, I spent a lot of time, I, at the time I was living in Barnes next to the Wetlands Centre and then it was just opening and um, my room looked over the reservoir there and I could see this bench in the window and, and I thought, if I can just get to that bench and it was in the sunlight, then I've kind of, I've, I've, I've made a journey. I've, 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 I feel like I'm on the recovery road. Wow. And um, so every day that summer, I'd try and walk there until I got there. And then every day I would go there. And I'd, I'd come from a very fast paced, you know, fun life to this very minimal life, just trying to eat and get, get to a place and back again. And because my life had slowed down, I actually started looking at the detail in things mm. and, and the little things. And it was kind of my Dorothy and Oz moment where suddenly going from this very black and white and grey, sludgy life, the insects came out. And, you know, I suddenly saw the Cabbage White family with their different flight paths, you know, the the big clumsy butterfly wings and, and the darting of the um of the 
blue veined um, white. And then looking at the the ant eggs and these beautiful luminous ant eggs. And I remember very clearly seeing suddenly I'm sitting there waiting for something to happen in the insect world, as you do when you're a naturalist. It's a lot of, of waiting course. and patience. Do you call uh, yourself a naturalist then? No. Yes, I do. Yeah. Comedian, yeah. comedian naturalist or just naturalist? <laughs> <laughs> you can take that either way, the way you answer that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm having a laugh. Um, so, but I was watching these uh, uh, ant eggs appear from under the ground. These luminous yellow eggs just appear so that they were being thrown out of the nest. Yeah. And then suddenly a host of ants arrived, an army of ants arrived, and took the eggs very quickly from one place to the next. And then they disappeared down in the ground again. And quite clearly they, they were under threat. So they just were you, moved Were the you eggs. on your bench then? Yes. This yeah. is the yeah. best bench ever, isn't it? <laughs> I had a lot of time there. I mean, this is a good edit. This is over yeah, a month, yeah. you know. Sometimes not much happened apart from time passing. But I, it's it's that enjoyment of the the little things, the detail yeah. in life that actually carry you through. It's it sounds very lockdown actually. Like you said, yeah. it does sound like the journey lots of people are going through, even if they're not unwell. Just, I mean, I know in the first lockdown, something that that I and I think everyone discussed this was it that um, we had more time to see things or was it that there was more nature because we weren't driving around so much and it was you know there were less humans out but I think I think everybody felt they were noticing things a bit more do you feel better prepared for this current this bout of Covid than most of us think you know I I think this is where when you look at society and, and how it's structured towards a certain type of success which is really goal orientated and you've got to be the best and you've got to win mm. and you've got to and actually you know people are happier if they appreciate what's around them and I, I know w- with lockdown I was I, I was I, I was thinking what do I want to do for lockdown because obviously I'm a, a creative at heart and I get inspired by things. And a lot of people were really concerned and worried because their life had suddenly got minimalized. And, mm. you know, suddenly you're a prisoner in your own home. And and it's not that you, you necessarily want to go out, but it's the fact you're not allowed to suddenly makes it a, a different circumstance psychologically. Yeah. A lot of these things are psychological. And I think I... I was nervous to comment, but actually, as I went through it, I thought this is this is what it's like for me, mostly, mm. all of the time. So I'm totally used to it. It's like not much has changed for me apart from it, everyone else is, it's happening to them too. Yeah. Um, so, Bridget, um, mm. you were sitting on this bench. You're inspired by the ants and the, the cabbage whites and so on. And... What happened next? How did that that kind of inspiration? I mean, I guess I'm getting some idea, but how did that go from that to festival? So slowly, I got back on my feet and started to figure out a different pace of life and how to manage my uh, health better with the new set of rules that I had. And I wanted to thank the insects because they, I felt like they'd saved my life that summer. And I came up with this idea called Pestival. And because I was at the Barnes Wetlands Centre, I said, can I put on this festival to celebrate, you know, the wonder of insects. There's 10 quintillion insects on the planet. and 10 seven, quintillion. 
How many yeah. zeros is there? I knew you'd ask me that, and I never remember. <laughs> a lot. Yeah. O- ask a maths teacher. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, t- so there's 10 quintillion insects and, and like, you know, around 7 to 8 billion of us. So they know stuff that we need to know. And yeah. they've, they've made all the mistakes already in times of the course of life and evolution. So we can learn from them. And the the festival... The first one at Wetland Center, 10,000 people came over one weekend and we had Blur playing insect tunes and Alistair Blur. McGowan. Yeah. Oh, wow. And Alistair, <laughs> this is all your celebrity peeps coming over. <laughs> and and it, it was, you know, incredibly successful just by bringing loads so of people j- together. Just, just to stop, yeah, I mean, just to stop you on that, that. I mean, you kind of almost brush over that. So you you sat on a bench, you watched some ants and then you created a festival after that, where 10,000 people turned up, including Blur and Alistair McGowan. That, that's not something I could do. That's quite impressive. Stuart Lee headlines doing um, 10 minutes on uh, insects, which then ended up in his TV show as well, which was quite funny. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. So, so yeah. was that logistically hard or was it something that you, was it, I mean, I mean, describe the festival. What, what was it like then? It, it well, that was the first one we went on. It got bigger after that. But the first one, I think, what, re, without realising it, I, I just like building communities. Right. I, I enjoy it. And I really like... Is that, that the, the what, insect in you, the ant? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I am a super <laughs> organism. <laughs> so, I, but I like that kind of building a kind of alternative family where the volunteers are all from seven to 80 and, you know, and and it's kind of a mishmash of people and 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 everyone's kind of equal in it. I enjoy all of that. Yeah. Nice. And and just seeing things that things that we do in terms of culture as part of the natural world and at the heart of the natural world. And it, especially in somewhere like London, where you see it as this kind of concrete metropolis with some parks. Mm. It's well actually why are we the only species that are thriving? Actually, other species are thriving better than us. We're building cages to put ourselves in and choking ourselves to death with mm. pollution. But yeah. other species are doing a lot better. So so let's kind of look at them and how they're living and, and why they're here. And just seeing ourselves as part of this animal kingdom rather than um, the king or queen of the animal kingdom. Yeah. Um, I think is putting ourselves on a level pegging is always good. Yeah, so so you you have that kind of um, love of creating community, and that that community helped you just by getting everybody's different skill sets together. I guess helped you create this thing called festival. Um, is that right? That's right. Yeah, and I think look, I I just I get overexcited. Good, <laughs> best way to be. Yeah, well, I equate myself to a cricket game, like perfect inactivity, and then within inactivity, activity, because I'll kind yeah. of be staring a lot in space, dreaming things up and dreaming up alternative worlds, and then I suddenly go right. I'm going to phone these people, and then it starts to happen. But I spend a long time building the universe in my head of what I yeah. think it looks like, and then start to get rope everyone else in and um yeah and then that's fun it's like why why wouldn't you and I really liked going back to something you said just a minute ago about the community that you have people all different types of people from age 70 to 80 
And I think with schools, um, we need to embrace that more um, because that's the reality of schools. And we're seeing that in lockdown more that schools are not just about those young people. They, they're obviously the, the function of having a school, but, but there's so many different people involved in schools, including the families at home, but also including the staff of different ages. And I think the more we accept that the diverse community of schools, the, the more interesting they are and the better places. And it's really nice. And it's a sort of thing I say as a kind of almost like a strategic thing or a, this is a theoretical view of a sustainable school. But it's, it's really lovely to hear you just talk about it with such enthusiasm to do with your project. It's almost like it's the natural and the 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 best way to do it anyway it just makes sense when you listen to you describe a community it just makes sense and it, it's it's nice to hear that I think. well you know I when I was growing up my dear mother um she got all of us there's there's three of us kids and and she she made us the um we were young volunteers for the wetland centers and we had a great time you know cleaning and building hides and and um, naming all the birds and we go on birding trips to Swan Lake to meet Peter Scott and we didn't think anything of it because that's just what mm. you did and yeah. it was a it was a group of people all different backgrounds really diverse kind of characters and different ages and we kind of were this dysfunctional functional family mm. and I think I just enjoyed it and so I've always kept building that and when I ended up moving to London that's why I straight away became one of the first volunteers at Barnes Wetland Centre because it was like, oh, getting the family back together. And I it's think such it is a seeing... beautiful place, isn't it? I should say to mm. listeners of the podcast, if they've not been there, you should go, shouldn't you? So whether you're um, from a school or, or a family, it's a beautiful place. Yeah, you can't, and just seeing it through the seasons, like any place, if you if you get to visit one place and see it in different lights and through the seasons mm -hmm. it's so lovely to just watch that time passing and it's very reassuring for the seasons to come and go like you go oh mm -hmm. we made it you know when you see the first crocus and you've made it through the winter you and the the kind of anemic weak crocuses push through the soil one more time it's like we made it it's gonna be bright <laughs> days from now on Let's go back to festival. We've done the first festival, that, so mm. that was at Barnes. So what was the next step for you then after doing that? I mean, you obviously sat back and were very proud. And well, what, what happened next? You know, I don't sit back and I'm very proud. I've learned okay. to do that. I've, yeah. I've, until, I'd say, until, you know, I'm easing into being who I am, which takes a long time to get to know yourself, I think. Yeah. Um, it's only recently I've forced myself to go, Bridget, you've done that well done you before I'd always go oh this wasn't good enough that wasn't good enough I'm oh I could have done better why didn't I think of that and um you know there's a lot of angst involved so I think mm. recently I've learned to go can you just enjoy this bit <laughs> and then start again um or rest because I have to build in rest periods to everything I do because yeah, of my lupus so I'll yeah. work then rest and work and that's is that on a, day, a daily basis or over yeah. a period of a month? Yeah, yeah, yeah. just basis, I so. have work, rest, and I have to be very regimented about it. Yeah. Um, or if I'm going to do something full on, I have to rest afterwards. Mm. Um, but after Wetland Centre, someone in the audience was there from the South Bank Centre in London. Oh, okay. And yeah. they came up to me and said, how would you like to do festival across our 23-acre site? Wow. I was like, sure. Who knew I was a giant festival organiser? <laughs> uh, 
But then it was like irresistible. Who couldn't do that? So I had to suddenly scale up to 23 acres and figure out how you run a festival. And what year, um, what year are we talking about? That was 2010. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so we took over the Royal Festival Hall and called it the Royal Pestival Hall. Yeah. Nice. And um, <laughs> Why wouldn't and, you? Yeah. <laughs> who knew? And, um, <laughs> and the Purcell Rooms were kind of the cell rooms and the Queen Elizabeth Hall was the Queen Bee Hall. And... We just, uh, I, and that was, it was a, it was a culmination of a, bringing trained volunteers. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we, I think the naivety of doing it made us do things that probably I wouldn't have done had I known, but hey, that's, that was the beauty of it. Of course. Um, so what the, the key feature was something called the termite pavilion. Right. Which we built in Festival Square. And that that was twofold. It was a it was a, a beacon to show people that the insect had arrived on right, yeah. um uh, <laughs> along the um waterfront. And it didn't take a bad photograph. So it was in, you know, all all the all angles sheets. Were great. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. And even in from inside we had the news at 10 broadcast from inside the termite. Oh, way. Did you? Yeah. Termites are the master builders. Yeah. Um, and they always have been and probably always will be. And um, termites are blind cockroaches rather than ants. Just thought I'd put that out there. And they, ah, they're the nice. only social blind insect. Blind cockroach. That, I didn't know that. So they're blind yeah. cockroaches. And they're the, the only insect that has a, a, little, a little king as well as a big queen right. um, in the social insect world. But what they do is they create these um they, they create the perfect permeable structures for circular air conditioning. Because they, they have a oh, build circular air conditioning. Seriously. Yeah, so they build this this chimney that follows the sun. Yeah. And then um they live underground and the the the, the air comes down the chimney and circulates and they collectively shiver to keep it at the right temperature if it heats up too much. And the, 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 the skins of the chimney are permeable structures. So engineers are dying to figure out exactly how they do this. So are they? That's what I was going to ask. Yeah. Is, it, is it something of interest? Though? So we, we had an engineer, Rupert Saw, who, has, um, who wanted to scale this up to human size to yeah. see how they did it, but couldn't get funding. So he said, well, we'll do it for, with you. Yeah, and so we he poured gypsum down. Um, they weren't there anymore. No insects died in this. He poured <laughs> gypsum down a termite nest in Namibia, and then we um, we scanned that, and we took a six centimeter cubed section of the chimney of the Namibian termite mound, yeah. and then we blew it up to human scale as a walkthrough experience, and we three D printed it out of Southwest Australia. Austrian pine, sustainable wow. um, Austrian pine, and then we built it like but, a giant. But in two thousand and ten, you could do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. I've only just learned about that. <laughs> <laughs> People were three D printing houses in China. You know, is that right? So, yeah, giant gypsum houses. Uh, so, so, and and that was great because we created this walkthrough experience where you were the scale of a. Uh, uh, termite and then we so got, how big was it then 
How tall? It's six, six meters cubed. Wow. Size of a house. Yeah. 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 And then we we put a surround sound recording of a uh, inside the termite man from Namibia, um, in inside the cube. So when you walked in, you could hear what it was like to hear the air bellowing around the chimney and going out and that you could hear the termites collectively shivering to keep it at the right temperature so it was a very kinetic learning experience Sounds and then within amazing. yeah and then within that we had the experts who you could if you wanted to ask them further questions and they were inside the termite mode itself. yeah okay. yeah yeah and i think that's that's kind of how i've worked is i find a really compelling story and then yeah. go, which which creative medium should I work with on this? It could be yeah. sculpture or architecture or we've done musicals, um, design. I worked with one, um, I met one scientist who um, we worked with on at that festival because 200,000 people came to festival at South Bank Centre. That's yeah. remarkable. Over one weekend and we, you know, we... We won the Observer Ethical Award for conservation. Did you? Yeah. That year. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. And we, you know, we were in every broadsheet, Time magazine, Russian TV. It was like crazy. <laughs> Everyone oh, turned wow. up. We were kind of like the good news story at the end of some very bad news each day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's <laughs> and brilliant. at South Bank, insects have landed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Another great example of uh, festival collaboration was that I met Professor James Logan from the School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine, and he was researching why some mosquitoes are more attracted to some people than others in terms of the spread of malaria, but he was finding it hard to find volunteers for his study that were more attracted <laughs> to mosquitoes. So I really? said, yeah. So I said, look, let's make it a game because people like to win games. Yeah. And and then I I got in contact with the fabulous designer um Susanna Suarez and nice. I told her about the 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 issue. And she, she and I came up with this brilliant idea where um, they created this glass chamber, circular mm. chamber, and then put two mesh hands on either side so that you could put through the mesh up to the glass chamber. And then inside the glass chamber was a swarm of mosquitoes. Right. And then it was a competition between you and your friend to see who the mosquitoes swarmed towards from your hands being close to the circular glass chamber <laughs> and obviously if you won it means that you're going to get bitten more by mosquitoes yeah um if you didn't win that means that you're very useful to science because they want to sample your um pheromones and your nice. blood to see why the mosquitoes aren't attracted to you and what so, did, what was the did you get the results from that what, what well, did they find well, out well, Hundreds of people did it. It was like swarmed by humans the entire yeah, time yeah. in the exhibition. And it's 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 toured widely that in terms of a great piece. Of, it looks mm. beautiful. So it's been in MoMA in New York, but it also right. is in science exhibitions because the science is great in terms of um, communicating the subject. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, there was a fair share of... I, I know that there was a couple who... Um, did it where the guy said oh i'm not you know mosquitoes hate me and they were just about to get married and go on honeymoon to brazil where obviously lots of mosquitoes yeah. and she said oh i always get bitten by mosquitoes and they both played the game 
they didn't get attracted to her and they did to him. So he's like, really? oh, blew me. Yeah, I better go and get my <laughs> malaria tablets. <laughs> so wow. it's kind of, uh, but, but there's, it's another way of having a game that helps you explain something that's yeah. quite dry and complicated. Yeah, um, that's brilliant. Yeah, so I think it's, that's a nice way of explaining how I work. I'm kind of like a dating agency for artists and scientists <laughs> to get them together. And then how do we make this fun exciting and look beautiful so that it takes great photographs tells good stories and furthers research but also helps people you know enjoy enjoy the subject yeah it's it's something we've been talking about quite a lot with london climate action week as well when when the first one took place um 2019 it was there was some outdoor um stuff because it was before covid um and the the plan for the 2020 climate action, this wasn't just schools, this was across the board, um, was to involve a whole range of people. So there was all sorts of artists involved, musicians and uh, lots of sports people and so on. Mm. And it was that that idea of trying to go outside the box of the usual climate change group, you know, the core group. And I think schools are a bit like that. There's the kind of sustainability crew in schools but we yeah. really want to go outside of that and just to, you know, it's an issue for all of us in schools to address. And I think the only way we're going to do that is by stepping out of our comfort zone. And and, and people like yourselves that do that, you know, can you 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 have walked talked your walked your talk. Um you've you you know, you've you've made that sort of thing happen and made it fun. And I think we need to learn from that just generally. Because it can it's easy to convince the convinced, but you know, we need we need to engage people and make it fun and um yeah that's really good as a teacher i mean i'm always trying to create new things and in a special school we 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 have to adapt lesson plans for mainstream school and we're always adapting Uh, and we pride ourselves on being creative but listening to you i realize there's like levels of creativity what i mean by that bridget is did you find school was a good place for you to you plainly a really creative person did you find it was a good place for you to nurture that and develop that or is it something you've developed after it uh how did I find school I enjoyed school um I was very active in drama and art and science um but I did find it quite stifling in the formula of how you're supposed to learn because I think that my brain doesn't quite work that way in that kind of structured process way yeah I was dyslexic and I it took me a long time to figure out how to read and write I can do it you know fine now with some bad spellings but um Mm -hmm. I think I, I think I found it stifling because of the way you're supposed to learn yeah and I I was, for some reason, intimidated by the authority of school or the imagined authority of school. When I went into a classroom, I felt stifled. And this is in my adulthood when I've returned on very few occasions (laughs) into schools because I felt felt awkward being in them. But I think in the last two years, um, having family and, and meeting teachers, I've kind of grown a real respect for you know they they feel that too they're mm. not they're you know they feel that that's part of the problem uh, too and so i think that it's allowing teachers to come out of those cages and be able to teach again in a more free way that's connected to real life and connected to life skills 
will be really liberating for teachers because they've been put in these horrible cages and actually they also need to be set free. I think you make a good, a really good point. And the, especially, you know, teachers that have gone into teaching or become involved in teaching because of their love of nature, for example. And, you know, we, yeah. we, because we're talking about sustainability and natural world and climate change and so on, I'll use that as an example. They, uh, they can become disillusioned because the, the, the paperwork and the bureaucracy of schools um, can they can feel it, it stifles them. And I think part of, um, well, part of the reason why we want to get you involved, um, but part of the reason why we do what we do is to show that, that it, you can, there are ways to do it. And I think, uh, you know, I, I always say this quote, um, you've got to give to Caesar what Caesar needs. I think it's from the Bible or something. But all of us have that. In our lives, we all have bosses and pe- whatever we do and people that, that have, that we have to give things to paperwork, bank managers, and so on. Um, but and I think you, there's no getting away from that in schools. You have to do that, but you have to try and hold on to um, the the passion for for why you went there in the first place, and uh, and then to to make sure you you don't give up on that. So you have to you have to actively make space for why you love teaching in the first place. And I think part of the job that I feel I have in sustainable schools forum is is to try and point people to people like yourself that that just remind us oh yeah that's why that's amazing that's why I love it and just to get that spark back maybe a little bit like happened to you in a kind of different way with after lupus with the ants and things that they just gave you a reason for living again and, and I think in a smaller way with teachers and, and probably with lots of jobs but with teachers specifically you, it's so easy to get bogged down in the day-to-day functionality and bureaucracy of schools, even during COVID. Um, but I think um, I think we need to just kind of just stand back now and again and look at projects like yourself and be inspired by them and just and just have a go and do something. So um, anyway, so you going back to your your time at school. So do you? Do you feel differently about schools now after being away? You know, I I set up festival and I, I didn't realise it was it was educational. I I'm just really into stuff and I, I'm curious and I like meeting other people that are into stuff and curious and thinking how can I work with them and telling great stories around that. Mm. Um, so I didn't realise the educational benefit of it, but I know when we did the South Bank festival. And um, we evaluated it. Half of our audience were teachers, and I was like, "Oh, who knew about that?" Yeah. And then I sort of, and then um, actually talking to 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 you the other day, um, and I was going, "How do I do my project, um, this new project, uh, and make it accessible for teachers and eco lockdown and um, you know an educational resource?" And it was so freeing for you to say to me no, you do what you do best and we'll be inspired by that to do what we do best. And I was yeah. like, oh, the release. <laughs> what I do is enough, you know. And, and exactly. for you to say that um, I can springboard teachers to inspire them to go off and, and be good at what they do um, and give them ideas to go and research and get excited, then that, you know, that that fills me with joy because I, I, I wanted to be helpful whilst doing this. Well, that's it. Teachers are teach like I said the other day. Teachers are experts at the kids in their class. They know all about them. They know what makes them tick, what drives them mad, 
you know they know how to put lessons together and all of that and it's just and that that bit's easy for us you know we 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 do that day in day out what we need sometimes and what's brilliant sometimes is just to get those new fresh exciting ideas like yours that we can tweak and adapt to 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 our kids and our context and yeah that and and I think you're right you sometimes people can get a bit bogged down trying to make it school friendly but I think teachers can do that side and it's nice to give signposts and things you know and for new teachers as well new teachers it's good to to see lesson plans and to see some structure but but no I think that yeah you're you're exactly right the exciting thing about your work is not any lesson plans that come out of it it's the actual work itself that's what's brilliant it's um, so good so that's a perfect chance to start talking about that perfect time to start talking about that would you i think do you want to tell us about um your new project that you, you're developing at the moment sure well we were supposed to do a live event but covid kind of kiboshed that um and so we've 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 had to do a lot of rethinking because i like getting out and about and doing mm. stuff um, so online wasn't a natural setting for me, um, but we've decided to do this and I've, I've figured out a format that I personally want to do. So therefore people that don't particularly like being online can do it because yeah, I'm, right. I'm the example. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so the project that we're um, launching over half term is called Make More Insects, um, tagline by any means necessary. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm laughing before you even said it because I love <laughs> I love the tagline. I knew it, but yeah. So make more insects by any means necessary. Yeah, right. and and it's it's kind of tongue in cheek and fun. And you know, you've done your morning lessons. Let's get active and doing stuff. And we're going to have a variety of um, inspirational figures from cooking to making, you know, makers. Mm-hmm. And they're going to make videos they're very simply on their phones because we're all in lockdown sure. and um, post them. And then we want to inspire the, you know, the community, whoever you are from seven to seven to a hundred to just get, you know, nothing's wrong. Just, just either, you know, try and copy the videos from the inspirational characters or, um, or be inspired by the videos, or do something totally different. We just so want give, your give ideas. me an example of um, what might happen in a video by an inspirational character. Yeah, so in February we've decided to celebrate the um, wonders of pollinators, the undersung heroes of the planet, Brilliant. and you know, without pollinators, eighty percent of our food wouldn't exist. Mm. So I've asked. Uh, some inspirational chefs to come up with a basic two to three ingredients recipe that Brilliant. you can make at home that's all inspired by food pollinated by insects yeah and they're going to create a video on their on their phones and and post them to our instagram and we're launching in half term week so that sounds brilliant, Bridget. And I know you don't want to tell us too much because you're keeping a little bit of it as a secret for the launch. So it's going to launch in half term, February. So it's only a couple of weeks away. Um, and it's very exciting for you, obviously. But how, so for the listeners, um, how can they find it? Because what what I'll what I would normally do in the show notes is put links to places for people to find. And I'll obviously put a link to Festival. But how can people find this new project when it's launched? So we're going to launch it on our pestival.org website, but then we're going to, across our partner platforms, showcase and uh, link to Pestival website so you can get involved. 
and we will be part of eco lockdown because we think it's a fantastic idea so we'll we'll be hashtagging eco lockdown and vice versa during the half term week but come to festival website at the start of february half term and you'll see the project launched there brilliant that sounds amazing good luck with that i can't wait to start and get my kids involved so Bridget, we're just about to round up now and um, we're probably both going to go off for a, a socially distanced coffee or something. Um, but before we go, have you got any last words of advice for us how to how to get more involved with insects? Well, get out and see them. They're out there. They're just waiting for you to discover them or stay in. <laughs> it's lockdown, <laughs> so you might not be able to go out, but all good houses have insects or their close cousins, arachnids. So look out for your friendly house spiders who are keeping your house tidy for you or go out into your window boxes or gardens and dig for grubs and observe them, but leave them be and watch them grow into something more beautiful. Thanks for listening to our Doys to Sustainable Schools podcast. You can subscribe to us on your favourite podcast player. And don't forget to tune in again in two weeks time to listen to another great guest. If you want to find out more about Bridget, Festival and her Make More Insects project and hashtag EcoLockdown, check out our show notes. See you in two weeks.